Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer and on tonight's show we look at four stocks that viewers have been asking us about. Galaxy Resources, EML Payments, Zipco and Invocare. And I get my charts guy Mike Gable to show us the technical outlook for these particular stocks. I also asked Tribeca's June Bay Lu and Berman Invest Julia Lee to comment on these companies as well. I also get June Bay to give us her five long-term hold companies and Julia will tell us her latest acquisition to a fund. And then the Switzer Reports Paul Rickard asks, is it actually time to take some money off the table and sell stocks? That's the show, so let's go and talk to Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Well, joining me as she always does on Mondays, Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Great to see you, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. Okay, I asked you to give me an idea of some um, stocks that you hold for the long term. Now, that's a really hard thing because you don't necessarily, you don't have loyalty to stocks. I've always thought that. You, you always like to pick up the new momentum, but are there some stocks that you just can't easily give up? Oh, I think one of our, our oldest holdings is Linus, yeah. um, which we're still very positive on. And uh, Linus is a rare earth company and still over 70% of rare earths is produced out, out of China, so they're responsible for supply. But last year, um, about 50% of the heavy rare earth concentrate they received from Myanmar, which of course is seeing civil unrest at the moment. Yeah. So there's a lot of concern that there could be disruptions to supply, okay. and that's helped prices. So um, if we have a look at neodenum or uh, um, PR, that's um, gone up by um, over 30 percent just in 2021. Yeah. Now Linus comes out with a report tomorrow so um, hopefully it goes well <laughs> given we're talking about it. But the last quarterly we saw record revenue and since then prices have once again jumped. And back then when we were having a look at the December quarterly capacity was at 75 percent because of the COVID situation in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And over the next couple of quarters we should see capacity continuing to increase mm. um, as some of the vaccinations are rolled out. So um, still positive line. I mean it goes into everything from mobile phones to military equipment, yeah. wind turbines, laptops. It's a very, very modern resource, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fine. Is there any other one? As I, I feel as though I'm pushing you to do something that you don't really like to do, hold stocks for too long. Yeah, I mean there's a new one we've added to the portfolio. Okay, so this is one. probably high risk because I'm probably a bit too early on on this one, but at the type of prices we're seeing in some of the tech stocks, stocks yeah. I couldn't help myself. So uh, we've added Altium to the position, ALU is a stock code, so that's electric circuit boards. The last half was disappointing um, because of COVID and I guess a change in their strategy that where they are looking to cloud-based design, which I think, you know, in uh, in six months, 12 months mm. will really pay off. Mm. Um, they did see um, their sales revenue going backwards, but um, either... It's not, not the usual condition for you to buy a company, so there must be a gut feeling in there as well, is there? No, no, I, I just, I'm looking forward sort of 12 to 18 months to yeah. have a look at what companies um, have been impacted by COVID and are going to normalise. Yeah, so you have been talking about the reopening trade. Yeah, yeah. the reopening trade. So I think our team at these type of prices, mm -hmm. um, there, there is the risk possibly of one more downgrade, but I don't think much more than that. Mm -hmm. And at these type of prices, I'm willing to take that risk. Okay, now, I've got Mike Gable coming up on the program and I've asked him to look at a number of uh, his charts, as he always does. Yes. Um, because these questions came to us in our Boom Doom Zoom show for okay. su subscribers. So I throw a few at you, and, and the stuff that the companies that you have a view on, Galaxy Resources. 
Yes, so uh, today we, we heard news mm. coming through that Oracle and Galaxy would be joining forces, I think. Yep. So both of those um, companies did very well on the market. I think Oracle was up 6%, Galaxy was up 4%. Mm. Um, and look, the, the combination of those companies really does put it on the radar of international institutional investors. Yeah. So I think it is a smart move there. And look, greener energy is a theme. So I think lithium um, as well as graphite mm. is a really positive story. Now this is a company I'm sure you introduced to me has been doing well lately. I'm not sure whether you gave up on it, but I didn't. EML. <laughs> What, what, I still like email. Look, email shares have come under pressure because I think the chairman offloaded some of the shares. What, recently? Recently, so I, I think... After I a nice rise. <laughs> After a nice rise. But uh, look, email payments is one of these companies which I think is in the right place at the right time. And yeah. look, they've just and made an acquisition. Reopening story. Look, the traditional business in, uh, is in things like gift cards, mm. um, rechargeable cards, but now they're moving into things like fintech, uh, offering um, banking services to fintech through their recent mm. acquisition. Um, and look, I think the next three to five years is going to be a really exciting time yeah. for Quick diversification, I feel. We, we interviewed um, Tom Cregan last week. Um, yes. And I thought the bottom line was, well, they're diversifying. And he also made the point that casinos aren't really important, but the digital part of gambling is oh, good yeah. for them. Yeah. Digital, and uh, look, here in Australia, they're talking about uh, rechargeable cards for casinos yeah. to try and track the money and um, stop yeah. money laundering. And, and handling, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah. and email payments, you know, yeah. they do yeah. rechargeable cards and deal with casinos as well. Okay, well, you know, I know you're an Afterpay fan, <laughs> but you know, I'm a Zip fan. Uh, <laughs> but what, what's your view on Zip? Uh, look, they're growing really strongly, and there's been talk that Zip could potentially look at a NASDAQ listing to mm. try and increase, um, I guess, interest from US investors. So, yeah. look, Zip is growing faster than Afterpay. Um, I like Afterpay because. Um, the millennials number of people that they have downloading so in terms of scale so I think the the top two in terms of the buy now pay later or after pay and Klarna mm. um, and after pay I think is going to have a really good first quarter so we have seen the shares recently rising from mm. the low of around about a hundred bucks to hundred and twenty eight dollars yep. um, and I think the next update should be a very positive one given um, on the back of the number of app downloads that they've seen. Mm. I, I do like that ad of Nick Kyrgios where it says, should I zip it? <laughs> Which I thought was quite a funny ad. Um, let's go uh, Invercare. Another kind of stock I imagine you show much interest in. Rudy Filipecki used to like it many years ago, but what about you? Invercare. Yeah, you know, when um, we first to heard about COVID-19, I tried to put aside the emotional yeah. part of my brain and look at mm. the logical side. And I thought, you know, death mm. rates are, are going to mm. go up here in Australia. And we bought into Invercare, but actually it's been the complete opposite. So mm. we sold out of Invercare. Um, um, and the strange thing about um, death rates is that if they're abnormally low in one year, then there's payback in um, future mm. years. It, it seems to be that when your time is up, your time is up. Mm. Um, so look, there's been extraordinarily low death rates here in Australia and New yeah. Zealand because of how we've tackled COVID-19, social distancing, washing our hands and hand sanitizers. Um, but I guess there will be some sort of payback over the next yeah. uh, two or three years. I kind of think normal flu will come back and, and people die of normal flu at much higher rates than the coronavirus because we don't sort of fight that kind of flu as well as, as, well as we fought coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, th I think in the funeral service space, um, 
the, the risk is that part of the story has been a roll-up model where there's mm. acquisitions that help boost the value of the company. And my fear about the funeral space has always been that there could be a low-cost operator that comes in. Because funerals are pretty expensive. Yeah, expensive. But if you had a budget model which gains scale, I think that would be a risk. Can I ask you this social question, Julie? I never do this to you on air, but as a consequence of coronavirus, when you travel on planes, do you think you'll wear a mask? Because I've always thought, I'm hanging out with a whole bunch of sick people in winter. Any of these people could start coughing and I could get a cold. I think a lot of people might start wearing masks. On I think you make a really good point, um, Pete. We've had COVID-19 for so long now that it has changed behaviour, mm. not only in terms of masks, but how we go out and how comfortable we feel mm. when we're eating out or even travelling. And some of those trends are going to be difficult to reverse. Mm. So you might see initial spike up in travel. But maybe people will come to realise how much money they've saved uh, through COVID-19 yeah. and go back to the previous ways. So that's part of what I think about now in terms of trends, sort of what what's sustainable, what's going to see an initial spike out, out mm. of the gates and then quickly reverse back down. And to that end, I, I look at China only because they've dealt with COVID-19 mm. before other economies to work out what those travel trends are like. And it's actually quite interesting looking at it country by country. In China, domestic travel is very strong at the moment, whereas yeah. international travel isn't. Mm. Whereas over in the US, domestic and international travel is quite strong and it's forecast to be very strong. Mm. But over in the UK, both are forecast to be relatively low. Mm. So um, behaviours are different country by country and uh, different economies okay. as well. But yeah, I'd wear a mask. <laughs> okay. yeah, I, think, I think I might too, uh, at least, and particularly during winter. You know, and, uh, but that's, maybe I'm getting too scared. Anyway, Julia Lee, thanks for joining us as always. That's Julia Great Lee from Berman Invest. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, ten years and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund WCMQ or a listed investment company WQG. Join Paul Rickard, Hamish Douglas and myself and a range of other financial experts as we share with you key strategies to help you grow your portfolio at our 2021 Virtual Investor Strategy event taking place on the 27th and the 28th of April. Please join us. We are currently offering free registration to this event as well as a bonus seven-day free trial to the Switzerland Report for anyone that registers. So get in quick and secure your spot via the link in the description below. Well, I've got Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities on the program now, and some of the stocks I've asked him to run his technical eye over are stocks that were put to us in our Boom, Doom and Zoom show for the subscribers to the Switch Report, which goes out on Thursdays. And sometimes when these stocks come along and a lot of people ask about it, I, I then want to know what the te technical analysis is saying about these companies. So there's no particular preference. It's just basically what people have been asking me. I want to know what the technical charts are saying, Mike. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, Peter. Let's go to Galaxy Resources first. So what are you seeing mm. there, mate? Look, it's a very positive-looking chart. I, I really like the way this, this has been trading over the last um, 
several months. Um, it's a very nice sustainable trend. It has a bit of a run, then it consolidates the move mm. and gets going again. I mean, we actually had this in our weekly newsletter two weeks ago, um, looking at uh, you know the stock going on another mm. run, and we can see in the last couple of weeks it's it's run very hard. Showing um, how brilliant you are, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> this is one that's worked. So. Um, what I've indicated with these lines here on the chart is, um, you know, it has come back to a very good support level over the last couple of weeks and then got going again. Mm. Um, the thing is, though, if you're looking to chase it here, you know, you're buying something that's, uh, you hot. know, already, yeah, already quite hot. Mm. So um, what I prefer to do is wait for the share price to go sideways, have a bit of a pullback, just calm down a mm. bit which is what we saw on, on prior occasions in December and then mm. again in March. So, look, if you're holding it, you know, this thing may well pop up another 50 cents a dollar. You just don't know. Yeah. Um, but again, to buy it here, it might just cool off back towards, say, $3. So and you're saying that there's, there's been an announcement that Galaxy and Arcobra yep. are going to do a merge. Yeah, so just, just out today, mm. um, merger news. So. Um, you know, we'll just have to see what uh, what the market does over mm. the next few days, whether it you know, does push it higher or whether we get a bit of profit take in it and it cools off. But mm. look, longer term, the, the trend's quite quite positive. Um, I just prefer a better entry point than buying it up here. Okay, good one. Let's go to InvoCare. InvoCare, of course, mm. is in the funeral business. Uh, was a sensational performer for a while. Did a lot of acquisitions. Didn't do really well over the coronavirus no. period, probably because the government did really well in stopping the deaths. Death well, rates that's, have actually fallen, well that's right. Unfortunately, for well, for their business, yeah. death rates were lower because everyone was sitting at home, um, not wearing going out. masks and behaving yeah, themselves. Exactly. Less flu. Um, plus, whatever funerals were happening were at a much uh, subdued level, yeah. so people weren't spending as much on, on funerals. So, yeah. when you consider all of that, perhaps Invocare is a good beneficiary of the reopening of the economy, people yeah. going back out and um, putting themselves at risk and yeah. people having uh, yeah. better funerals again. Um, but the share price action, it just doesn't seem to be mm. um, reflecting that potential potential upside. I know mm. it's a business that um, has had issues with competition and, and cost issues. Um, and what I'm trying mm. to show here on the chart is that unfortunately every time the shares try to rally, um, there is a lot of selling. So. We could see recently up at 12.50 in uh, late January, the shares share price got up there, was sold back down. $12 also seems like an obvious level. Uh, and then most recently, um, I've indicated with another horizontal line there on the right-hand side, around 11.50 seems to be a bit of a ceiling in the share price. So unfortunately, look, I think if you were to buy it here in anticipation that um, the reopening would benefit the shares, you're just going to be stuck in a stock that's going nowhere while the rest of the market's trending higher. It just yeah. seems like there's a lot of selling at multiple levels. Mm. It, it, you almost need to be paying $13 for, for this stock, just knowing that it's cleared all of that all of that selling. So unfortunately, Peter, it's not one I'd be keen yeah. on. And Michael, interesting, if you got in September, it's been a really nice write up, but mm. it really the market is sort of saying, this is enough, at yep. least for the moment. It, it may have another kick up when life becomes normal and people are dying at normal rates, but at yeah. this point in time, not looking great. Let's go to the next one, uh, and this is EML. This is a part of my famous ZEET group of stocks. Mm. Uh, it's been doing pretty well for a while, but got some uh, news out recently about acquisition. The market seemed to like it. What are the charts saying to you, Mike? Yeah, look, it's, it's looking really good. I have to admit, in early January, I didn't quite like the... Uh, 
the look of this, but by February it was shaping up quite nicely and it's, it definitely looks really good now. Um, I've, I've put a couple of horizontal lines there. So across January, February, there was a clear resistance level just under 450. And then in mid-February, as we could see, it jumped up um, above that resistance level. And the part of the chart at the bottom, those bars there, that's the volume. So we could see a huge spike in volume when the shares jumped up in, in February. So if anything, that was your, your buy signal if you weren't already in the stock. Because yeah. um, that's a very positive sign to see that much volume go in. And then, of course, it didn't really kick on for several weeks, but we could see it only went sideways uh, under another lid in the share price, just mm -hmm. under 550. And then uh, at the start of April, jumped above that. We can see another spike in volume uh, and it's holding in there. So look, this one's stepping up quite nicely. This looks like a nice sustainable uptrend. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the, the acquisition news is, is good for EML, mm -hmm. um, very good for EML, and the market's liking it. I think this will continue to head on. It's a classic reopening stock, isn't it? Because it's, yep. it's in the, the gambling space, it's in the shopping centre, gift card space. Mm -hmm. and of course, the more we get back to normal, and it's not just here, like we might be back to normal, but right around the world, shopping centres are not yep. back to normal, and these guys play in all those sorts of spaces. Yep. Let's go to the next one. That's a, a favourite of mine, like email, is mm. Zip. And once again, people ask us this on, on the show because they know I've, I've been associated with it. It's had a, enormous spikes and then enormous falls and bounce backs again. What's the, the latest on the chart showing you? Yeah, look, generally it should head higher, although um, I think compared to some of the other buy now, pay later stocks, it just, it just looks a little bit, bit leery to me, a bit, bit risky. Leery? Yeah, That's so a good word. look. Was that preferably, <laughs> yeah, it could turn around and bite you in the backside. But <laughs> no, look, I, I think I think it should be fine. But but I'd I'd rather an entry point after a share price has settled down and consolidated. So yeah. if we have a look, sort of in the middle of the screen there at the start of January, where I've put those um, those diagonal lines, mm. we we're, were having a chat here in early mm. January, and uh, and I mentioned, look, this thing looks like it's ready to have a bit of a run because the you know the price range was tightening up. It was looking like it would. Uh, it would want to break and obviously it, it had a massive run mm. um, late January, February. It's come back down. Um, where I've circled is where it gapped up at the start of April, which was the next buy signal. But I have to admit, on that day for our clients, we bought Afterpay mm. as a trade instead of Zip. Only because, as we could see over the last couple of months, the share price is, yeah, it, is, it is sort of all over the place. You've got these big daily ranges. Um, as we could see on the candlesticks, so they're very large candlesticks, meaning that intraday, it's you know, it, as, as, and as we've seen recently, it, yeah. it could move sort of 10% intraday. So, mm. to me, that's a bit, it's a bit risky, almost a bit too volatile for me. Mm. Um, so, look, we're in afterpay at the moment, not Zip, but generally they should head higher together. I mean, Zip's announced, um, you know, they've had a couple of great announcements, of course, in terms of growth in the yeah. US. They've, um, they've. They've raised uh, the cash there as well, which is a positive for them. So, look, I think they should generally continue higher. Of mm. course, the other... Um, but expect other a bit of a ride. Yes, yes, I exactly. Look, I, I think the only thing that will stop Zip is, um, you know, US bond yields and, and what the NASDAQ does. That seems to be the only um, sort of issue at the moment with these sorts of stocks. But, but look, at the moment, it, to me, it looks like it should continue to grind and, higher. And then the interesting thing about both Afterpay and Zip experienced that big drop off because that's when tech stocks were mm. being dumped right around the world because of the, yep. the US bonds yeah. uh, yields going up. But it didn't take long before people decided 
these tech stocks have been oversold. It seems to me, Mark, and yeah. I mean, this is a, a side issue, if we accept that there's going to be a substantial economic boom over this year and next year because of the amount of spending and interest rates being held low mm. by central banks, it just seems to me these tech stocks are going to be beneficiaries, even if they, yeah. they don't rise at the same rate as some particular stocks that benefit from the rotation into reopening. Mm. It just seems to me that it's a growth industry and America at this point in time are way behind us in terms of buy now, pay later. Yeah. Is, that, is that your reading? Because you're in afterpay, you must have a reason for it. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think that, that these businesses will continue to, to grow rapidly. The, the only sticking point is how the market values those stocks. So they could, we have to, I think investors have to be aware that these stocks might go through a period of time where, you know, the business is growing, but the share price isn't growing. And that might seem odd, but it's because we have to also look at interest rates and unfortunately, mm. you know, that, you know, what interest rates do, what the market's perception of interest rates are, perception of inflation, is they, that will affect the share price, you know, in, in short and medium term mm. periods, as, as we've seen with, with Zip and the other tech stocks. At a short period of time, a movement in interest rates has massively affected the share price, even though the underlying business has continued to do well. Yeah, that's right. So the last one is, Mike's selection, I always ask him to come up with a company that he likes right now. The charts are looking a little bit exciting. And this is WSA Western Areas. Tell us about this, Mike. Yep, so look, we're, so we're, uh, Western Areas is a, is a nickel producer. Um, we're still bullish on the, the commodity space. Um, you know, we still believe that you know, lowering US dollar, government stimulus, improving economies, it's basically good for, mm. for commodities in, in general. So um, Western, areas, Western Areas produces nickel. Nickel's used in um, stainless steel. Of course, you've got the backstory of the, the use in electric vehicles, but without getting too caught up on the story, mm. they're making stuff which is you know, going to be, be used over the course yeah. of the next year or two. So with this particular chart, I think Western Areas has given us a buying opportunity right now. So we could see that Look, the share price did get smashed across January, February, March. Um, they raised money at that low point in March. Um, and then we saw the share price start to tighten up. So a lot of the heat started to come out. A lot of the volatility started to come out of the stock. Um, similarly to what I was pointing out with, with Zip earlier in January, we had that tightening of the range. Mm. So we've seen that now with Western areas. Then at the start of April, it gapped up. So that's what I've circled there. Yeah. Um, gapped up. Uh, it's gone sideways since then, so again, it's sort of gapped up, started to settle down a bit, uh, and it's getting ready for um, for the next run. So this this gives, I think, a really good risk reward. So if you're basically looking at this chart, saying, okay, well, it probably gets back up towards the previous um, January peak of 310, and then there might be some sellers, mm. or it might come down in the short term towards two dollars, which is where it was only a few weeks ago. And in terms of a risk reward. You know, you're risking say 30 cents there to um, to make you know maybe 70 cents, 80 cents um, potentially on the upside. And a fair point to make is that if and if people are making that suggestion that we've got another mining boom in mm. in train, the last time the mining boom was pretty active in 2011. This stock got to about seven bucks, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if we're part of a new super cycle or whatever you want to call it. Um, there could be substantial upside in, in these sorts mm. of stocks. Love a super cycle, right? Exactly. That's my Gable from Fairmont Equities. Well, I'm catching up with June Bailu from the Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund. And great to see you. 
Good to be here, Peter. Yeah. Um, before we start talking about stocks and whatever, some people are wondering whether it's time to take money off the table because it's selling May and go away, <laughs> or is the, the power of this potential economic boom so, so um, significant you wouldn't be interested in selling and running away? <laughs> Look, I my view has always been that invest with long term um, in mind. Um, to be tactical, yes, the market has gone up quite a bit. Um, next three months, we should see a fair bit of volatility, just given there's a lot of good news in the market, and you know, market's done well. So, um, if you want to be tactical, yes. But the biggest problem of taking profit is that um, you know, when you take profit in a lot of blue chip and high quality business, is that you miss out. Mm. Um, and uh, and then when you miss out, then you have the behavioral bias of saying. I don't want to go back in, and uh, you know, so that then that becomes you have to uh, time your, um, you know, time the entry, time the sell, yeah. and time. It's so a lot hard. of work. It's yeah. a lot of work. So uh, my view is always, if this sell, uh, market sells off, you buy more of those quality companies. Mm. Um, you and I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I must admit, when I like good quality companies I've had for a long time, mm. they've done well. If the market wants to dump them. Mm, you buy more of yeah. it. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about the long-term holds in your fund. Mm. What are they? Plenty of them. Yeah. Well, give us, <laughs> give us the ones that you, sure. you know, there are plenty of them, but I'm sure there are ones that you think, I have to have these in my portfolio. Absolutely. Woolworth is the first name that comes to my mind. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a share price actually has underperformed the rest of the market for a little while, simply because um, they've done such big numbers because of pantry stocking, yeah. and now they're going to have a bit of a difficult trading period just because uh, it was so strong last year. Um, use that as buying opportunity. Great business. You've got catalysts along the way of separating the drinks business. Um, we think that business will deliver significant um, long-term value for mm. investors. So um, that's the Dan Murphy brand you're talking that's about? That's right. Right, yeah. absolutely. So, so Woolworths is your first one, mm. and and do you think when they separate it mm. and and put the drinks business into a separate listed vehicle, mm. those those people holding Woolworths shares will effectively have two companies mm. and. Do you think both of them will have upside? Absolutely. So um, we have seen so many times when companies separate those business and mm. the investors just have a lot more visibility. And in turn, both of them actually generally deliver return for investors. Yeah, because mm. like for example, Coles has done very well mm. after leaving Wes Farmers. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. And it means that there's more specialty concentration on that particular business. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Okay, that's first one, Woolworths. What's your second one? Second one will be Cochlear. Mm. Um, it is one name that you can just buy and put in the bottom drawer. Mm. Um, last 12 months has created enormous buying opportunity <coughs> because of disruption caused by COVID. And mm. now the share price actually still underperformed the market. It's gone up a little bit since yeah. the bottom, but still underperformed the market. Good buying opportunity to buy a quality defensive that will deliver growth, structural growth. Um, that's regardless of the um, global economy is recovering or recession or mm. this company will grow. Mm. So um, my view is that it is something they should have in the portfolio. What's the rivals to cost? Cochlear looking like? Rival actually struggled during this period, mm. whereas Cochlear, even though some of the um, disruption caused by uh, hearing centres being shut down and surgery couldn't be performed properly, mm. um, uh, the, um, what's really good about it is that the minute the um, normalcy returns, we actually seen the backlog being filled quite quickly by Cochlear, mm. uh, whereas compared to some of the competitors, they aren't uh, pulling it through as okay. fast as they are. That's number two. Number mm. three. 
Well, number three is an interesting one. Uh, I would put Afterpay in the mix Gee, for me. That's right. It's come from nowhere to be a blue chip <laughs> must hold stock. Go that's on. right. Yeah. It certainly has done incredibly well. Uh, yeah. If you look at the long term, well, it's a 12 month performance. Um, it certainly is a very hot sector. Uh, but my view is that this company share price will be a whole lot higher um, in two, three or even five years time compared mm. to what it is today, simply because what it has shown in its ability to grow its addressable market. Mm. Um, you know, US, uh, Australia, they now it's got, um, you know, four million uh, active users uh, and the US market, they only went there a couple of years ago and now they already have close to 10 million uh, active users. And this is just uh, uh, still at its infancy in Tip that Iceberg, eh? Absolutely. And then there's the UK, Europe, and it's an enormous amount of opportunity. And not just Afterpay itself, and there's other adjacent product that they started launching now. Mm. Um, you know, it is a fintech. It is going to disrupt a lot of uh, um, uh, old businesses in that space. Mm, okay, so that's Afterpay. I'm going to have to ask you, do you also like Zip or because you like Afterpay, you don't like Zip? I think that whole space is very, very interesting. Zip tactically, when we talk about tactical performance, it's gone up 15%, obviously it has fallen quite a bit. Mm. Um, you know, In the short term, potentially there's a chance for pullback. But our view is that top couple players, number one, number two, generally make it through um, in those innovative sectors. You need to keep watching on how they're going in the US because mm. uh, unlike Afterpay, they actually bought into the US, whereas Afterpay is organic growth mm. into the US market. So as long as that business is tracking very well, that's, the quad pay business. that's right, yeah, yep. then they should do quite well. Okay, that's three. What's your fourth one? I'll push you for five. <laughs> Let's find a quite a few big yeah. ones. Uh, the next one is Ramsey Healthcare. Yeah. Now we stick that's to the buying opportunity. That's now, right, absolutely. Yeah. The share price has hardly moved. Yeah. Um, it's it's done a little bit better than the rest of the healthcare sector, like mm. CSL and the like. Uh, but the, my view is that this is a premium hospital asset. Um, there's an enormous amount of opportunity for them to um, to create value within its business. Share price impacted by uh, the earnings uh, sort of you know evaporated when uh, when the hospital beds were made available to the COVID cases. Yeah, and they're dealing with other countries, aren't they? Like they're in France, they're, mm. in, uh, they're in Malaysia, I think, aren't mm. they? That's right. So in a sense, they were forced to sort of like the mm. banks be a part of the rescue program, mm. which in a way go away in front of them. Mm. in the way of their profitability. That's right. Mm. And unlike other healthcare's, this one earning actually will do quite well when the world returns to normal because mm. of the beds now open and available. And what we know is that the waiting list is enormous. So uh, this company has high fixed operating leverage, which yep. means when revenue goes up, the profit will go up higher. So um, for the next few years, the company is in a very good position. Okay, number five. Number five, actually that, num that one can be a little bit higher uh, up the list as well. Mm. That is the treasury one. Now we've seen very significant long-term value for this business. Uh, business clearly has been impacted by the China and Australia relationship mm. um, and then the tariff that's put in place um, that affected its China distribution. Mm. Now great brands at um, you know meaningful amount of discount to its true valuation. Um, I just think it's a, it's a business that uh, perhaps won't even be listed for very long. Oh, you think a, a private equity group might come along and buy it? Oh, absolutely. If the share price stays low, mm. you know, we have seen so many M&As in the last 12 months. And mm. if, if anything, we will see more of it. Um, Treasury actually has been rumoured by uh, either private equity and, uh, um, and uh, listed players offshore about looking at its business. So, mm. um, you know, it's already generated value by selling some of its asset in the US. Um, and the recovery in its business from the post-COVID world has been actually very strong. Mm. Um, so, 
you know, this is one brand that is still at a quite a cheap valuation in today's market. Yeah, so that's that's interesting because you know we've even seen Virgin's been taken off the market, bought mm. by a private equity group, and that's mm. not as good a business as Treasury One Estates. Absolutely, mm. and a brand brand is hard to create, and with money is uh, very very cheap at this point. And especially, what's interesting is that um, you know easy to get money, very cheap, uh, interest rate very yeah, low. At the point of now that people start talking about bond yield going higher, so the expectations of future interest rate going higher is creating a sense of urgency for deals to be done because locking mm. your money now and buy something. Yeah. And you know, for brands like that, it's very difficult to um, uh, re reproduce and um, you know, certainly worth a lot more in the hands of um, a, okay. a larger brand. Great five, interesting five, not, not boring at all. <laughs> a couple of boring ones, but still good. Now, before you go, um, Mike, um, Gable from Fairmont, I got him to look at a number of stocks that were asked questions of in our Boom Doom Zoom show. Sure. I just want a quick some quick views from you. Mm. Galaxy Resources, what do you think? I, I like it. The announcement mm. of merging with Oracopere is very, very interesting. Mm. Um, I think certainly um, in this space, because it's emerging, there's a lot of demand for lithium uh, products. Uh, certainly larger is better. Yeah. Um, and uh, the combined business will become more, um, you know, a more uh, competitive um, entity. Um, I, at the moment, IGO is still the largest, mm. uh, even after the combination. But I think that whole sector certainly is, um, is, is very interesting indeed. Thank Okay. Mm. Inbeke. Oh, that, that one's a little bit tough. Yeah. Um, look, it just, um, the, I think it will be the reopened play as well, you know, as people, more people are able to attend the funerals and mm. the like. Mm. Um, but the issue with this problem is that it just aren't able to grow um, this business because the competition individual operators have become quite efficient. Mm. Um, and there's been a lot of refurbishment money throwing in the industry uh, by the little players. And mm. so they've been losing share for years. So um, yes, they may do okay. Um, you know when the world returns to normal but it's very hard to see them uh, really come through as a meaningful largest player uh, without the market share yeah. le le leaking. Yeah. EML. I like EML and, mm. and again another uh, reopening play. Mm. Uh, acquisition last week or two weeks ago yeah. um, really adds to the new perspective for this business. Um, I think it will do well. Uh, share price has had a big rally. Mm. Uh, potentially I think in the market uh, there might be sell downs and you know a few of those things coming through so uh, might dampen some of the enthusiasm but the business itself is doing very well. And Western areas? Uh, it gives a really uh, well gives a good exposure to the nickel side of yeah. the business, and I think at the moment um, they all looking very strong, given where the world growth is going yeah. to come from. Especially nickel has a good exposure into that EV space as well, yeah. uh, electric vehicle mm. space, and uh, that is going to be the future. Yeah. So you're not expecting the commodity cycle to end anytime too soon? Not at all. Uh, I think the commodity is a good place to be, especially if uh, in the future, in the next two years, you probably will start seeing some inflation coming through. Mm. Um, commodity normally is a really good hedge. In that and are you expecting um, a bit of a, 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 super a super cycle for commodities? Look, I'm not sure about the super cycle. I certainly see steady growth coming through. Mm. Um, I think the demand for a lot of those products will come from uh, electrification and all of those newer areas, yeah. uh, rather than um, minor, you know, heavy um, material requirement from China's throwing at the infrastructure and the like. Because mm. if anything, China will slow somewhat when the rest of the world return to growth. So, uh, so to me, it's a steady growth um, and. Uh, 
focus on some of those names that has those exposure, like more uh, electri electrification and um, uh, um, uh, th those newer space. Thank you, Jim Bailu. Thanks for all your contributions. Thank you very much. That's Jim Bailu from the Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund. Well, joining me now is Paul Ricker from the Switch Report, and Paul's uh, advanced the idea that maybe it's time to take some money off the table. It's been a nice run up for stocks, because he's getting a little bit nervous. Are you getting nervous, Paul? No, I'm not getting nervous, Peter. In fact, uh, courageous. Yeah, if anything, look, I probably don't think he needs should take money off the table. But I did raise ponder the question in, in the Switzer Report today, mm. and I guess the arguments for taking uh, money off the table are sort of like, well. You know, we're, we're at all-time highs, at least in the all odds. Uh, we've had a huge rally here locally. We know markets always look forward. Mm. You know, we know the economic <coughs> statistics are fantastic, but they should be, you know, and that's what the market is telling us. Mm. Uh, and we're seeing just a little bit of frothiness, frothiness in things like uh, the price of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, frothiness, mm. frothiness in the things like uh, Coinbase. There's a lot of stuff happening out there, Peter. I mean, you get in a cab these days, I go to dinner with my mates, everyone's talking shares. You wonder how <laughs> much longer it can go. So yeah. I work on the basis I'm never going to get the top of the market. Mm. And so, you know, there's an argument to sort of, you know, just to take some money off the table. But that said, against that, of course, is that um, the market's only just clipped over to a high on the all odds. We haven't quite got there yeah. on the S&P ASX 200. And we know historically that when markets make new highs, right, mm. and that they go well past the highs. Yeah, so, before uh, they crash again. That's yeah. all going forward. We've got the Reserve Bank saying that um, interest rates aren't going up to 2024. Mm. <laughs> that's yeah. still unbelievable. three years away. Now, if interest rates stay at 0.1% for the next three years, yeah. yeah, the rush for shares with dividend yields. We're, we're going go so to go ten thousand. We're going to go ten thousand. If they're going to stay there, I think stocks will have to go ten thousand. And, and you and I both think that he'll change his. He'll, yeah, the he'll, boom will make him raise early. He'll yeah. raise early, but look, let's let's just play that one out. And mm. then thirdly, you know, we use other indicators and a lot of forecasters out there who do long-term predictions, and uh, they still think the Aussie market is you know comparably uh, reasonable value. Yeah, the good point you in, in your story was you talked about what's his name, the uh, Farrelly. Yeah, yeah Farrelly and yeah. Investment Research. Yeah, and they basically think the market's not fully priced till about eight and eight thousand, and not overpriced till about nine thousand. That's on the all yeah. So. Yeah, and, and this is a long-term model, and, okay. and uh, so there are some powerful things. So I probably came out of the, of the point of view that it's probably a little early to take some money off the table, yeah. but I also understand from a comfort point of view, you know, we were we were down at uh, 4,500 less than a year ago. It was the 20th of March last year, we got 4,500. Mm. We're now over 7,000. Mm. The rise has been so quick, Peter. Yeah. Any, look at any chart, mm. the last 12 and a bit months, You've never seen a steeper rise in, oh, yeah. in the Australian market. And I guess some the same a bit in the US. And that makes you feel mm. a bit, you know, we know things can't go up. They don't go forever. And, and when the things get very steep, eventually mm. you'll get a bit of a correction. Yeah, and the thing is this, history is a bit tricky because we're living through a time when if I said this time is different, it really is different. Interest rates have never been this low. Governments have never spent this magnitude of money. It really is different. So the outcome could be very different. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you and I have been saying the economy is absolute gangbusters. I, don't mm. know, I think that's going to continue. So, uh, look, I, I think there's more in it, but um, I can understand okay. um, why you might want it. So I guess that leads to the question of where should you... Where yeah, should you I, I want to ask this question. Are you saying then some stocks might be ripe to sell, but you wouldn't necessarily sell on cash? You might move into it, like rotate into a different part of the market? 
Yeah, look, I might go a little more defensive. I don't think there's anything wrong in being in cash, Peter. You just, I mean, at least you know you're going to have your 0.1%, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, your uh, retirement plans will just go off and off. But at least you won't lose capital. And, uh, you know, cash could be, uh, you know, if you get out of the market, reduce your market exposure, don't be afraid to go back into cash for two, three, six, 12 months, 18 months, how long it takes. I mean, I... You could also go a bit more defensive and go into some more defensive style of assets and equities. Yeah, right, yeah. Right? So, and, and also you could be saying, sell in May and go away, come back in November. Yeah, you could just <laughs> When the market term. often takes off. So I guess what, what can you look to uh, light? Well, let's deal with the obvious first. The obvious is that you've got to use bull markets to get rid of the crap, right? Mm, that's <laughs> good. So, you know, um, it's really hard to sell bad stocks in a bad market because mm. so the market gets very selective. And we all have portfolios where we know we've got a couple of stocks that we've really held on to too long. Mm. We, we know that they're, you know, not yeah. really going to perform. Mine's Atomo a Diagnostic, which um, uh, Bill Gates, you know, and I think uh, Lang Walker all went into it and they went, went down straight away. Okay, so get rid of the rubbish first because it's only in a good market you've got a chance of getting out of it, right? Yep. It's in a True. bad market and no yep. one will want to touch it. And one thing the market keeps keeps uh, teaching us time and time again is that quality pays, right? Yep. So yep. get rid of the stuff. And then I think there are three sort of things strategically you could look at. The first, I think, is uh, resources. Mm. Uh, I'm not super bearish on the resources market, Peter, but I do think iron ore, uh, when iron ore is now up almost $180, it's at the same price it was in 2011, 2012. The super cycle boom. The, the super cycle boom. We know that, look, this is not just a function of demand. It's also a function of supply. In other words, that the biggest producer in the world, Barley, has had their supply disrupted. Mm. It's been disrupted a lot longer than they expected. Brazil's coronavirus yeah, problem. Brazil's still got the problems of the coronavirus. Eventually, you know, they will get back on top of the supply. We know there are other junior miners, people like Mineral Resources, talking about expanding. Eventually, mm. supply will come back to the market. So I think there's a bit of a supply dynamics. It doesn't mean iron ore couldn't go to $250. It mm. could. But, uh, and I'm not saying cash all out all your chips on these companies. Yeah. but Because uh, they're all pricing. But you wouldn't definitely acquire this. But I think, it, I think if you're being fully weighted or even overweight, it's time to ease back a touch. So that's, mm. that's option number one. You could also look at some of the other resource companies. Although I don't think you know, the ones in, in nickel, copper, uh, some of the base metals, I don't think they're quite as exposed as the iron ore miners. So right. that's, that's the first strategic area. Um, the second, I think, is to look at the U.S. and mm. uh, and that's because the U.S. market has been so strong, yeah. and it's comprehensively outperformed Europe, the U.K., Japan, and Australia over the last decade. Now, yeah. now we know why because they've had uh, the tech the tech majors have been there. Mm. They've been probably the most advanced in terms of digitization. We also know that they've had very supportive policies under the Trump environment, and under Biden, they're just money's coming everywhere, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> through the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, you've got to think at some stage to the rest of the world might catch up a little bit. And uh, if you are looking at coming out of equities, you know the US market will probably lead it anyhow. So maybe that's the place to sort of lighten off a bit first, all right? Mm. So I think that's the second sort of question. The other concern I have about the US is if you're unhedged, I still think the US dollar goes lower, the Aussie yeah. dollar goes lower. So, uh, so uh, that's, that's the second one. And then thirdly, I guess, is to look at some of the uh, securities in your portfolio trading on higher PEs, higher enterprise to sales multiples. We've seen that this has been a bull market led by growth stocks. They have come into it more, more recently. Mm. But, uh, you know, in, in, in a correction, you've got to think it's going to be the, the, the growth stocks that are going to suffer the hardest. So some of the tech majors, some of the uh, consumer discretionaries trading on very high multiples, some of the 
two big companies. I think the whole um, you know buy now pay later sector. I like the sector, but it's so overpriced. Uh, I think in a tough market, you know, value will come back into that. So they're, mm. they're the areas to look at in terms of your portfolio if you want to cash in some of your chips. I'm not suggesting you do, yeah. but uh, I can understand. If you're nervous, this is well, the, the blueprint for I think, nervousness. You know, saying you know over the next year or two markets will peak and let's do a little bit now and do some more in six months and some more in 12 months mm. that's not a bad strategy too because one thing i do know is you won't and i can't find the peak right no. it never happens and so you've got to take some of the action yeah. before so you either get out before or you sell as quickly as you can when it falls but sometimes everyone's running for the exit at the same time yeah so i think a bit of trimming i, I can see why you might do a little bit of trimming in, in these sort of conditions but okay. We and I both think the market goes higher, so, okay. uh, but yeah. we'll give it Yeah, it's a, it's a tough call, you know, but someone has to do it. That's Paul Rickard. If you want to read his story and you're not a subscriber to The Switzer Report, we'll take out a free trial and read it. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.